0: My name is Margaret. Margaret. Korean, I'm um, medium, and uh, I can't come from fucking. I would, I would love to be a gay man. If I was a gay man, I would get a spit roast every day. I would love a spit roast, because I'm Korean, and we like barbecue. And I'm telling you to wear a condom, not for me, but for you,
1: dude.
0: I fuck so many people.
2: You don't wanna go down there without some kind of flak jacket or some shit. My pussy is the Hurt Locker. It's fucking scary down there. It's a rough neighborhood. Oprah's gonna build a school down there.
0: I just had my first colonic. Say what you will about colon irrigation. It is the shit. But I I wanted to be a comedian very early in life. And I told my mother when I was 14 I was going to be a comedian. And she said,
2: oh,
0: maybe it's better if you just die. A straight personals ad goes something like, Divorced white male,
3: 41, seeks (laughs) slender lady for long
4: position
0: a gay personals ad is like wanted ass bandit hold up this caboose dick smoker a plus grinder if you don't know grinder it's like a gps for cock as if it was a challenge for gay men to find cock
2: now there's an app for that there is no lesbian equivalent to grinder.
5: The closest thing we have, animal rescue.
0: You wanna get fucked, help the Huskies first. So I said to him, you know, when you come over, you don't have to bring me flowers. Just bring me some Hershey's chocolate kisses so I can suck them off your dick. And he didn't bring them well i thought you were kidding (laughs) i thought it was a joke what kind of fucking joke is that that is not a joke knock knock who's there chocolate chocolate who i'm gonna dump chocolate off your dick
1: Ah!
0: hi i'm margaret cho i am not going to shit my pants today i'm gonna listen to for what it's worth no. okay all right well we're here <laughs>
1: really just kidding just kidding That's not how you open a show all right well welcome to for what it's worth an introduction and exploration of the furry fandom
4: we don't do that either
1: i know what are you doing i don't know you usually have fire breath open us i know so what's going on i think you have dropped the ball just a little bit no time no
4: talks. this is called you have to hear it in post okay
1: yeah okay so in post we'll we'll add him in yeah oh Well, you didn't tell me
4: that. No, no, no. He's not going to be there in post. I'm just saying. This will make more sense in post. (laughs) Speaking of post, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. So this is season five, episode 11.
4: I don't have a clever title.
1: (laughs) The topic today is laughing and giving back.
4: So before we introduce our guests, really, how have you been?
1: I have been... uh, It's been crazy. Life just loves to throw you curveballs and... It's been kind of difficult. I've been spending a lot of time with my family because um, oh, yeah. recently my grandpa passed away. So it's been kind of a kind of a hard thing to go through. But
4: have you had services?
1: Um, yeah, we had the services and stuff like that. Was so it good? It good was service? a good service. It's just you know all the fills. It's my last grandparent, so it's it's difficult. But you know life goes on. So what have you been up to in a cheerier uh, mode? I, you know what? I
4: thought about that when I was writing the notes. I don't know what I've been up to. I've been working and then I had a holiday weekend and I slept.
1: Well, I heard that you had some time off. You went on out to some adventures? I
4: did. I went to Wyoming and bought booze and various implements for my bedroom.
1: And why didn't you bring me along? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just because kidding. Because you don't belong there. <laughs> I'm just You joking. have a second, remember? Oh, yeah. My second? Your second. My, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know what? It's. It, I'm glad it's warming up. Although I think this is fake spring, and it's driving me nuts.
1: Well, what will happen? You know, Utah. It, it will turn around and it will start snowing, and then it will be like 70 degrees, and then it will it will snow again. Ugh. That's Utah.
4: Right. Yep. So right. you
1: can never figure out if whether or not that you need to put away your snow shovel or not, or if it's time to open up the window or not. You open up the window and then it starts to snow. Did That's you get just... did you get the new Pokemon release? The new Pokemon release? The old
4: new Pokemon release.
1: What? Are you talking red, about blue, Sun and Moon?
4: No, red, blue, yellow.
1: No, I haven't gotten that yet. They're ten bucks. Ten dollars? Yeah. And That's they work with the bank. That's cool. I don't have the bank.
4: I'm not. I know. <laughs> I'm too I'm too cheap to pay
1: five bucks a year for it. I don't <laughs> yeah. Isn't that terrible? Five dollars a year. Yeah! What's that? Uh, yeah, on you. Yeah, what? Since when will you use that bun on yourself? <laughs>
4: because occasionally I can be.
1: <laughs> well, is it that time?
4: Uh, I think I think it is.
2: He's only half baked. It's Ruse Kooky time.
1: All right, it's that time again, fortune cookie time. So, the cookie of the day is today is your lucky day in bed with a cookie. Who would get a fortune like that?
4: The fortune said it's your lucky day?
1: Yeah, today is your lucky day. That's it. That's.
4: No, they're supposed to be, are they supposed to be like auspicious and insightful? Something
1: like I I don't know. I think I need to get a better batch of fortune cookies.
4: Where are you buying your cookies from? (sighs)
1: Costco. No, just kidding. Obviously. <laughs> uh,
4: you should take them I back. I buy them in bulk. Are they Kirkland Signature? You can take them back.
1: Kirkland Signature. <laughs> <sighs> uh, for Only we laugh at our own jokes, Tux. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Only us.
4: Okay, potty break is over. So we've come into someone's hotel room. You guys are all like, would you guys just stop being stupid and, and start introducing people? And we've destroyed this hotel room. And yeah, I'm really excited for this episode.
1: Yeah, I am too. We, we've taken this hotel room and turned it into a studio. <clears throat> That's just how we do it. A
4: <laughs> poor man's studio. <laughs> so, Rue, take it away with our first guest intro.
1: All right, so our first guest... Is, is
4: you gonna butcher it?
1: Yes, I'm totally going to butcher it. So, um, how do you say your full name? I just want to make sure.
5: I appreciate you asking, and I don't expect anybody to know right off the bat. It's um, <clears throat> excuse me. My name is Selene Luna. Selene. Yes. Luna. Yes, it reads like Selene, but it's pronounced Selene.
4: I would have guessed it was Selena.
5: Yeah, but there was no A in there. Yeah. See that? Uh, yeah. It's all right. You can thank my parents.
1: So, let's see. You are a comedian and also an actress. Mm-hmm. You've been on VH1's The Margaret Cho. I mean, the, it, the it show. The vh show. The Cho <laughs> Show. The VH1. Sorry.
5: The VH1's. <laughs> <laughs> it was VH1's The Cho Show.
1: And um, My Bloody Valentine 3D.
5: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Are the cameras
4: different when they film in 3D?
5: Yeah, they really? are. They are, and I—I I actually, I'm gonna just hop right to it. I, my furry question pertains to when I was shooting my bloody Valentine. Really? Oh uh,
4: well, yeah. Let's hear can it. I go ahead and go into Yeah, go right ahead.
5: So we were on location, uh, shooting that film. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Pittsburgh, and uh, it was during AC. The, uh, <laughs> the the hotel I was staying in was hosting a furry convention. The Omni. I, I don't remember, honestly. This was so many years ago, and there's been so many hotels. I don't know. But it, I don't know. That sounds about right. I, I can't recall. But um, anyway, there was a whole controversy going around in the hotel between the staff and the furries because, and I saw this with my own eyes, like, I, so uh, it wasn't BS. The um, <clears throat> There were some furries, some a facet of the furries, who were very committed you know, to the role, which I totally appreciate. And uh but the problem was they were going potty in litter boxes.
3: <gasps> what? what
5: is Ice? that are you guys being sarcastic? No. Okay, because that was shocked too. <laughs> I would be just as shocked as you. Wait, wait, wait. wait, so wait. I wanted to ask you guys, is this, this is normal? Or... No.
1: Okay. <laughs>
4: Absolutely not. I because housekeeping
5: was an uproar about it.
4: I don't know if there's a normal, but that is definitely outside of what I am familiar with.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah, nor- normal is not the right word. Yeah. I mean uh, expected or normal. Con- no. That is the first Standard time practice. that I've ever heard that
1: ever. That's that's more like It sounds like a hemorrhoid recipe. That's so more I, like I was will dine ask
5: you guys about I this. I mean,
1: there are some people that are out there um that like for instance, you um you guys may have heard of like Boomer the dog. Why am I bringing up his name? Anyways. So, um the, he's he's more um I don't know how to explain it, but he lives his life kind of like a dog. Mm-hmm. But that's absolutely not within the the norm. That's like uh, those people play in this sandbox over there, and we don't go. Right, <laughs> they're just the bad apples. With them. Uh, something like that.
5: Well, I don't there, know. there was a group of them, uh, a number of them, who were leaving their uh, the, their litter boxes out the, outside the door for housekeeping to take because they refused to use human toilets. Are you serious? Yeah, and so it became <laughs> a big. And I and I know it wasn't BS because I I saw it in my own hallway.
1: Oh. So it was
5: pretty crazy. I'm wondering if that's a, that was a joke.
1: No,
4: I don't think that was a you joke. You don't think that was a it's joke? It's a- AC. It's a- C- AC. That's horrible. It wasn't a joke.
5: It was, they were adamantly defending themselves. I mean, I saw a SmackDown in the lobby, you know, between the housekeeping and... Or the management. Was this
4: this your very first exposure?
5: Yes, it was. I mean, I I was... (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no! That was my first exposure. I mean, in person, (laughs) I've never been to a convention or anything. But, I mean, I've known about furries for a long time before this experience. But I'd never seen it in action. Well, the last couple... That's not seeing it in action. (laughs) (laughs) The last
1: episode or so, we talked about dumb stupid furries and that we no, asked if furries were idiots oh if furries were idiots yeah 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 well i would classify that as a stupid
5: well i think some furries need some training they need to be house broke yeah yeah, yeah. do that at home <laughs> yeah i agree do it in your own house <laughs> yeah.
1: but i will be 100 percent honest with you that mm. is the first time i've ever heard of anybody doing that i'm,
4: I'm gonna shoot myself tell me there weren't tootsie rolls
5: I I did not see. it. Okay, I, I good, did not venture. Good. I don't know. I, I did not. But uh, it was a whole thing at the <laughs> in the hotel. But uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen it and or heard of any circumstance like that. And I'm sure, I'm hoping it was an isolated incident because I know that the furry scene is really just you know, pe- just having fun you know with like minded people.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of like. I mean, have you have you ever been able to travel to like a comic con or?
5: Beat. Um, no, I've actually, um, it's really not, um, up my alley. I, That's okay. so I've never, I've never sought it out. I just don't do well in big crowds.
1: Yeah, it is, it, it can be definitely, <laughs> it can definitely be a big crowd.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I'm still in shock.
1: I am too. Like, I just wanted like.
5: Talk
4: about this the whole entire. Episode. No, I don't. I want <laughs> well, to know.
5: Well, I think it's comforting, though. It's comforting to know that you guys are shocked and never heard of this because obviously this was an isolated incident. Yeah.
4: No, like, like there, there are there are baby furs and diaper furs, and that's that's like what most people are willing to like be mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. Um, litter box. No, like I, I mean, i have sure I've seen art of it and stuff, but that's like art, you know. It's not in the mm-hmm. hallway.
5: Yeah. So. I, have,
1: I haven't even seen art of it. I, n- no.
4: You need to play front page of F.A. more.
1: Maybe that's what it
4: is. <laughs> it's like a roulette.
1: Oh, my. Oh, my. I know, right? <laughs> this is when I want to put my, the palm of my hand to my face. Face paw. So how has tr- Salt Lake been treating you so far?
5: Oh, it's lovely. Um, I've been here before with Margaret, and everyone's always so kind. And uh, really, the very very nice people here, you know, it, yeah, except for the, <laughs> the homeless meth heads, but <laughs> 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 other than that, everyone's lovely.
4: Have Have you been like uh, been told you're going to hell yet or anything?
5: No, but I just assume. Oh, okay. just probably. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you happen to um, you happen to be fairly fairly close close by to um, yeah our homeless shelter, so uh. that's probably why you're seeing a lot.
5: Yeah, so. but it's really, uh, it doesn't even compare to the homeless problem in Los Angeles uh, where we live. It's like, it, it's, it, it's overwhelming in Los Angeles. I gotcha. So.
4: Well, I can, I can edit this part out, but are you good? Yes. Okay, good. good. All right, well, our second guest, who you may have heard of before, has just done a few things, just a few. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a comedian in... It, i don't like the word activist i'll get into that later but you're involved in a lot of causes um you're kind of whoop ass and a tour de force to many so our second guest is margaret cho hi hey so i have to tell you before we even start like asking you questions that our show owes you a huge debt of gratitude oh yeah well you know it's we, because we have, you know, been on your show, uh, mm-hmm. Coru and I, and because, you know, you went to the convention stuff. And so we've done a little cross stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able, because of that, to interview a lot of well-known people like Barbara Eden and so forth. Oh, great. And so we just want to say thank you in front of everyone for opening that door for us. Thank you. Yeah. It's been, it's been a wild ride. That's so, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, we owe you. I think we owe a lot of our um, higher profile interview successes to you. Good. Well, so. thank you. Yeah. So, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. Yeah. 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 Salt Lake's I'll... treating you well. Uh, yeah, we uh, just got here, so um, we're doing shows at Wise Guys, and then uh, we were in Colorado Springs before this, and then we uh, I'll go back and do um, to L.A. to do uh, cover the Oscars for Fashion Police, and then I'm going to Asia. For a few weeks wow it's busy
1: you you sound like that you're really really busy do you yeah. ever get to sleep
0: yeah yeah i sleep <laughs> i sleep you know and i it's good i i think um i just uh i have um kind of weird days where you know you get you go traveling and then you're out of place for a long time and then you don't do that much there so we have had like today here um and then tomorrow you know i'll be riding and stuff so it's it's you know i have like some downtime in between
4: Writing? You're writing?
0: Yeah, I have to write my jokes for Fashion Police for the Oscars. So I have to watch oh. the... But I'm it's tricky because I'm boycotting the Oscars except for the red carpet and Chris Mo- Chris Rock's monologue and then uh, Lady Gaga song and then um, anytime a person of color is on stage. So I, I can watch like every five minutes. I can watch it for like and a they're minute. And then like muted in between. Yeah, I'm like muting <laughs> all of the white people. Do you have, do you have a
4: TiVo where you're just going to like pause? Okay, skip, skip, yeah, skip. Yeah,
0: I just have to be real, because I, I wanted to boycott it, but I can't because I have to work at it. So uh, I've just tried to figure out my own way that I can boycott.
4: Now, I've heard that they actually rig the traffic lights to make it easier for people to get to and from the Oscars. Is that actually true? Do you know?
0: Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I don't think it's very easy to get there, no matter what. I think it's yeah. got to be really got to be very hard That's to get there. The pretzel, that sounds like a
1: tin hat controversy or something. Hopefully they're Ubering. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if you're uh, if uh, if you're smart, you would Uber or take some kind of a ride share something because um, it's impossible to park.
5: But chances are, they—I I wouldn't be surprised at all if they <laughs> manipulated the uh, uh, the traffic light, like you know how they have them synchronized. Right, they, right. They might do that to help direct the flow of traffic. Well
4: there was a scandal where they were like fixing the lights in a certain way. I I read this book about traffic like four years ago and it was that was part of it. I remember mm.
5: that scandal. I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's crazy. I live really close to where the Oscars happen and it's,
0: it's 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 like Times Square. It's crazy. They block off the streets and then there's a lot of fans that, that stand out there forever and so it's uh, it's a little bit nuts.
5: Yeah. I'm on lockdown. It's like oh, I don't leave my house. Yeah. <clears throat>
4: So, seems like we have lots of questions for you guys. Yeah, so.
1: we, we had tons and tons of emails that were sent in to us.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're going to start by kind of talking to both of you about being involved in causes. Now, I, I'm i assuming just by virtue of being Margaret's friend, you get you get swept up on the causes even if you don't actively do them solo. Is that right?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we share a lot of... Uh, Similar passions. Um, I think our unifying cause is basically um, anything that's about inequality on any level. You know, uh, speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. That's just really what it comes down to. Just, that, at least for me, I'm very passionate about uh, just people being treated fairly, and I don't care who they are. Yeah, and just
0: promoting diversity for women of color in comedy and movies and TV and music and trying to level the playing field that way. Um, so that's not direct activism exactly. Um, it's outside of my charity work and my political work. But it's something that uh, I think is very important.
4: Okay, cool. So the first the first um, set of questions that we have is focused around um, your giving back, basically, is how we've chosen to interpret that. You know, you're giving back... Mm -hmm. Um, To your communities you're involved in Um, And then later on in the show We have just general QA type stuff So would you mind reading the first email Since you have it right there
5: Sure Okay This is um, Hey Tugs and Roo. It's your bro T-Wolf Hey T-Wolf That's just me (laughs) Um, I truly do miss you guys so much Heart Hope, you both, uh, hope both you boys are doing well. I had a question for Margaret Cho about currently what has been going on in the media as well as over the few years. First, I would like to start with a giant thank you to Margaret for everything that's in caps, yeah. everything she does. <clears throat> she was one of those people that made me feel that it was okay to be gay way back in the day. I feel you make a difference in what you do in today's media in more than one way. Which brings me to my question. I see you out. Um, I see you out in the public eye a lot. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> I need glasses, you guys. I, I see you out in pu- in the public eye a lot as a force for good. I understand you can get a lot of flack from it as well. As well, w- what has been the driving force behind all this? When I first saw one of your comedy specials, screaming. Little bit of rice. I laughed as I watched you over the years and have been speaking out for what needs to be heard, like what has happened to Kesha recently. Most people I see in your position don't really put forth as much effort as you do. I feel a big difference between you and a lot of the other people out in the spotlight. You don't, uh, <clears throat> you don't stop. You don't. Uh, you're not just one. I'm sorry, you guys. I really need glasses. It's okay. I'm it's... not kidding. Okay. <laughs> it's not just one, uh, one thing you stand up for. It's multiple things. Women's rights, for example, gay marriage is another, and you are very active about it. What's the driving force behind all of it? What makes you keep going? And what got you started in the first place uh, about speaking out? Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for all that you do. Truly yours, Tyler Wolf, a.k.a. Buller uh, Mickler. Bull milker. Oh, bull <laughs> Sorry. His, his Tyler, husband I, is a bull. Oh, my God. Tyler, Wolf. I, I apologize for uh, butchering your email. I, I seriously need glasses.
0: <laughs> well, that's nice, um, T-Wolf. I, I think, um, well, activism is kind of just like what I do. Uh, I mean, I do stand-up comedy, but I think it's a lot easier to be very vocal about anything um, that you're talking about, especially commenting on the world as w- in the way that social media is. And... Um, with Kesha, it was interesting because there was so much of an outpouring of support and then all these people got really mad at anybody who didn't um, have an outpouring su- of support on, on Twitter. And and then um, people were getting very angry at all of our big pop stars and you know people who were weighing in on this thing and were not weighing in on it. And so it just became like, who's the better feminist? And that's not uh, the point of any of this, it's not about who's better because who who speaks up more, whatever. The, you know, to me it's just, um, I do it because I think it's right and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's important to stand up for your rights and for the rights of others. Um, with Kesha, it's really about uh, survivors standing together, survivors of sexual assault. I think it's a very important thing to support somebody like that who's coming forward and, and being very brave about it and getting a lot of, um, hate online about it. Um, so whether that's gay rights or women's rights or rights for people of color, whatever that is, I, I always think that it's got to be part of my work. So I am glad to do it.
1: So what are some of the causes that both of you are active in? Like you, we talked a little bit about some of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think uh, for me, most of mine are have to do with... Uh, gay rights, um, homelessness, um, whether it's uh, dealing with uh, survivors' rights or feminism in general. Um, I'm also stumping for Bernie Sanders out on the campaign trail. So I have a few different um, purposes, I, I guess, as uh, I, 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 I go forward, especially as the election year kind of comes up on us. You know, we all sort of get called to do different things, but... Um, i i do't I don't have a favorite. I just kind of do different things all the time and uh mine what really inspire
5: me are uh, also uh equality uh, gay rights, marriage equality uh, marijuana legalization um atheism and uh and uh, and little people the rights of little people as uh, rights is not the correct word because we have rights, but uh it's more about uh, this is one cause that people aren't really aware of, uh, at least in my experience, is like um, I don't experience, I mean, I'm, I'm female, I'm a woman, and I'm handicapped, but the biggest discrimination I experience of the person is being treated as a human being. Just because I'm little, uh, little people are treated uh, and seen as mystical uh not real human beings second-class citizens and so that's really uh, a great passion of mine is to show people that somebody who is small i, I mean it's just a height thing what's the big deal doesn't make them uh, you know non-human and uh so that to me overpowers any other issue
4: That's really interesting you bring that up. Just because, like, I know, like when I go to Disneyland or wherever, where I'm in a crowd because of my height, Mm -hmm. I I, I've been told that as I walk, the crowd will the crowd will just part.
5: Mm-hmm. Right, it's funny.
4: It's really, sorry. it's really odd. Like, I'm I sorry that it. I'm
5: laughing at that. It's a, it's a funny visual.
4: Well, the thing is, it's like sometimes I feel like I'm on the opposite end of that. I, I will gladly give you some height if you would want some, because, because it, when you're really tall too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you get, you do get treated differently.
5: I understand. A, a ton of people, a ton of tall people, like very tall people, have come to me with the same thing. They all say the exact same. They all say, "I have your experience, but it's the reverse." Yeah, but, but. But to be fair, though, and I'm not trying to uh, play topper. I'm like, no, I'm a greater victim because I I don't see myself as a victim at all. I have a, a beautiful life. But uh, ultimately, a tall person uh, is not seen as a non-human enchanted individual. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And they're, then they're and,
1: looked as like sports stars. Yeah, or...
5: it's glorified actually. Mm-hmm. And you're manly. It's actually a good thing. You know, it's a masculine thing. It's it's a good thing. But uh, if you're a person of short stature, I mean, extremely short stature, not just like five feet tall and, oh, I can't be a model. You know, that's not the issue. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about Oscars inequality. What, what, What about how's about little people being represented? You know, and in all fairness, there hasn't been a little person who's given an Oscar worthy performance, but the opportunity hasn't even been presented in the first place. So you know, there's uh, we have a long way to go, and I know uh, little people issues aren't really um, a, a globally grabbing issue because there aren't a ton of us. You know, it's not like a unified voice. So, um, but I, but what little I do have, I'd like to just be treated with dignity and respect, and so that's one of my greatest causes.
4: So when did when did you? Decide. I mean, I'm sure you were you were just living your life like you always thought you would be one day. and Then you decided, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little more than just live my life. I'm gonna speak up. So when yeah. was what was that catalyst for you?
5: The catalyst was Margaret. I um I, actually having Margaret in my life gave me. Uh, she's been an example to me, uh, showing me that. I can actually speak up about this. I can actually do something about this. I don't have to be quiet and I don't have to take it. And uh, through her mentoring, that's opened a lot of doors for me. So that's really the direct link.
1: So Margaret, what about for you? What makes you stand up?
0: Um Well, it's all kind of part of what I do as a performer and as an artist, you know, like everything um that I've talked about in my work, was really trying to find a way in as an outsider. So that applies to political work as well. And, I mean, with this election, it's it's gotten very divisive. Even people that I like, I I, I think Hillary, Hillary Clinton is great. And I worked on her campaign briefly in 2008, and then I went over to the Obama camp, and for the same reasons why I went over to the Sanders camp in this election. So... um. Right now, my point of it is to make sure that the Bernie fans and the Hillary fans don't fight so much that when one of them is nominated that everybody else doesn't vote for the other one because they're so angry. So I hope that we can still be unified in the Democratic Party even though there's a lot of uh, infighting between um, the Hillary camp and the, the Sanders camp. But um, but I, I just enjoy uh, politics. I think it's interesting. I think it's um a unique world where we're able to comment on it and especially with social media the way that it is you can have a powerful presence um out there in in the um sort of in the in the world of the internet and and uh, and so i think it, it's very positive
4: do you remember your very very first show you ever did
0: um, is yeah, it,
4: is it lost to the sands of time?
0: No, I I was a comedy duo before, so I I wasn't me. It was I was with another performer. His name is Sam Rockwell. He's a he's a very famous actor now, and um, he and I had a comedy duo. So we did trick sort of tricky like things where we had to like go to the shows, but we couldn't be in the bar because we were too young. So we had to wait. We could only be on stage, and so we have to be outside, and it was really weird and. Um, so I just remember uh, trying to negotiate the comedy world with this other little boy. Basically, we're both like 15. So um, we're doing that for those of so my initial beginnings were with him.
4: And was, were you already active then in your first show? Did you start?
0: No, I, well, I, I was doing comedy. I was doing stand up comedy, but I was uh, I was also growing up around a lot of people who were very um, influenced by Harvey Milk and. Um, so a lot of the people that were around me were very political, very young, very young gay punk rock, um, kids who were doing like shows that were rock against Reagan shows and shows against animal cruelty. And so it was all this like punk rock political stuff that I was growing up around. So I was very politically active around there.
5: How long have you been active? Oh, I, I think, uh, genuinely active, may, maybe, uh, about seven years, something like that. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, really, uh, when I joined Twitter. <laughs> that's when it started for me.
4: Ah, uh, Twitter's that old
5: now? Yeah, I th- uh. well, and it was already around before I joined. I think I joined in uh, 08 or 09. I think
0: Twitter's 10.
5: Oh, okay, so maybe I, I was on it for about, I've been on it for about, yes, seven or eight years. And it just uh. became a new platform where I could express myself and maybe do something. I guess for me, like,
1: where, where did all this, like, where did, like, you had to start up, at- some point like some point you had to make a conscious decision or or something or maybe it's just part of part of your psyche of who you are because there's a lot of people that are out there that are too scared to stand up for what they believe in or what they what they feel is right Mm -hmm. um where i mean what would you say to somebody how how to get to that point or or to find their inner strength to speak out
5: well, I can say, uh, speaking uh, on my behalf, I uh, let your anger take over. I, uh, it, it just so happened that I had a lot of bottled up anger. I wasn't a volatile person or anything like that, but just a lot of suppressed things that I'd just been like sucking up. I had to suck up a lot of injustices my entire life. And then it just got to a point, well, wait a minute. If I speak up and say something, what's the worst that can happen? If anything, I might connect with somebody who needs support, or uh, and you know what? Who cares what anyone thinks? I'm being judged no matter what I do, uh, so just based on my appearance. So why not just uh, live my life for me and not anyone else? And but ultimately, I think my anger came to a boiling point. My anger over just injustice, and I just felt like I needed to turn that around and be productive and just yeah, do something better with it.
0: Yeah, because if you're an outsider anyway, it doesn't really matter, you know, because it's not like you can break into the, those uh, whatever, um, you can't break, sort of break in. Um, so the best thing to do is rally all of those that also feel like outsiders, because that's a better way into it, I think. Um, so for me, it's just about finding comfort with other people who think like me and who have the same experiences.
4: What, what got you involved with the homeless
0: well, that was uh, uh, really a response um, directly related to Robin Williams' suicide and that he was such a champion for the homeless and um, so I was trying to make sense of his death and uh, being around all of his friends um, and being in San Francisco uh, where the the homeless is uh, the problem is so massive. Uh, part of it is that a lot of people are being Pushed out of their homes by uh, the, the tech boom, so the the pricing of the housing is very expensive, and it's very hard to live there if you're you're not really wealthy, and so um, it's a very difficult situation there. So uh, it was all prompted by Robin's death, and but then you know it it carried on and has a sort of a life of its own now, and and so I do a sh- a, sh- a sort of a show that on the street it's called Be Robin, and it's um it's a very lively. Um, get-together of people who want to help the homeless and the homeless. And, and so I just did one last week in Atlanta, which was really good. But it's all um, about uh, taking the um, disconnect of charity out of the picture. Like, you know, usually charities, or you go to a hotel ballroom and you have um, people raising money for the charity, and then uh, you don't have any connection with what the charity is, but this is the charity actually creating itself on the street to, to be uh, of aid to people who live on the street.
1: Okay, so what's the greatest reward you've had in your causes?
0: Um, I don't know. I think it's like just the fact that you get to do it and that it's, um, I mean, the greatest reward for a gay marriage is the sucre- Supreme Court decision that, you know, now allows it to happen all over the country. Amen that, to that. That was a major shift um so we never thought we'd see it and we started working on it i started working on gay marriage in 2004 so it was always a big issue and so finally to see that happen where we influenced the supreme court to make that decision that was probably the most gratifying
5: for me it's been uh, smoking weed without being treated like a criminal I'm being a little too funny, but um, it's, it's fine. I mean, that's really the. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> as far as like, I, I in all sincerity, I haven't really experienced uh, uh, nothing I can recall like some kind of great reward, but uh, but it's just really gratifying to watch the progress and just in general of all things I believe in. But you know, I it, we still have a long ways to go with like women's issues and uh, there's a lot that needs to be done, but. By the same token, I feel like we're living in a really wonderful time.
4: Do you ever think we're going to get to the point of like Star Trek style society where everyone is just cool with everyone?
5: That would be awesome. I'm a huge fan of Next Generation. Really? Yeah, nice, I love it. Yeah. That would be awesome.
4: Yeah, I, I I watch that and I'm like, this almost seems to be too too idealistic. Yes, I don't utopian. know if we'll ever get there.
5: But it, but I but I think um, what helps me kind of believe in what we could possibly have that utopia is well, actually I'm I'm. Mm taking back my words as I'm saying this because I I think it just took like in Star Trek it's it's like everyone's got this certain level of intellect and I feel like one day we're all going to reach it because you know education and intellect it it brings peace and uh because through education you can understand and uh, but uh, the way things are going right now I don't know right (laughs) yeah yeah I
0: kind of want to yeah backpedal on what I started saying
4: do you think we're going to get to the utopian society
0: I would like to see that. I mean, I don't think we're on our way right now. It's not very good right now. But um, that's not to say that things can't get better. I mean, I thought that uh, we did really well with the Obama administration and um, very pleased with the way things turned out and the way people rallied around him. And so now... um, you're seeing a big backlash of people who are angry about that, and I don't know. It's it's all very strange. I, I think it's a very bad time because you're you're seeing all of this uh, incredible bigotry from Donald Trump and and ignorance kind of on parade there. Um, a lot of hatred being really celebrated. It's very rough. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, it's it's really scary. It's yeah, really. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's like all this anger that's not being used in a productive manner. You know
1: what? I 100% agree with you. In fact, I you know I actually had an experience, and I, I think that this. <laughs> so what what happened is I was just getting out of um, with a, I was with a friend of mine, and his friend all of a sudden pulled up and said, "Oh, here's some here's some um, pages from the oh here's a couple of Qurans," and he just got so excited. I'm like, "Why are you so excited?" And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like telling me all this terrible stuff that he's going to be doing to the to the Quran, And it horrified me. I'm like, I'm friends with this. And I mean, he's I don't know. He's like a huge. Anyways, it's dividing lines.
5: I don't know. Like I don't... He's
1: a huge douche. He is a big douche. You
5: know him. Maybe he's not a friend anymore. Uh, S- Sometimes it doesn't matter how long you know somebody when they show their colors. That's it.
4: I know this person. You do. We're going to talk about this off the air. So what we're going
1: to do? <laughs> it's Mr. It's a Mr. White. So
4: I don't, I don't know. I mean, you do. You both do interviews all the time, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know how often you get presented with just an open question or just the ability to say what you'd like. But if either of you could just say whatever you wanted to say about being involved in causes and tell the world one thing, what would it be?
5: Um. Uh, well. Um. Mine is is uh, it's my personal agenda, really. And um, I, I would just like to bring awareness to people that uh, it's not in the history books, you'll never find it. But through a lot of research, Margaret and I have been working together on this on bringing to light little people that have made major contributions to society. Uh, throughout history, and you would never know about them because they're not documented. But we're compiling uh, a lot of information, and we've done a lot of research about this. And so it is out there. If people would just take interest, um, I mean, just I'm gonna just throw this out there quickly. For example, uh, one of the um, the one of the people to invent the mathematical calculator was a little person. You know, and you would never know this in a million years. Uh, there's just a ton of really. Uh, Wonderful, uh, intelligent, good people who have contributed to society and have gotten zero acknowledgement just because they're short.
4: Was it Mr. Casio?
5: No, no, that's <laughs> funny. I, I don't even
4: know if that's a name.
5: No, but that's funny. You had me thinking for a sec. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of my greatest heroes is somebody you'll never hear about, which makes no sense to me. He was uh, really great friends with Benjamin Franklin, he was a little person at four feet tall. He was, uh, uh, he was an abolitionist uh, and a vegetarian. And this is in the 1600s. And uh, he was considered a criminal because he was against slavery. And, uh, and he was a huge, huge activist. And, uh, so, and he did a lot of writing. But where is it? We don't know about it. This guy should be in history books. And his name is Benjamin Lay, if anyone
0: cares to look him up.
4: Is there a website where you have your research yet?
5: And And
0: if it's on the the web, that's the problem, is that everybody thinks all history and everything is on the web. Yeah, it's
5: like, no, we actually went to the library. You got to crack open a book, you know. But there is a wiki page, I was surprised to find it, on Benjamin Lay. So you can go to Wikipedia and look him up, and shockingly, there is information about him. Uh, But he's just one of many fascinating people.
4: Are you going to be publishing it online at some point? Yes,
5: I am. I'm actually, um, right now I, I'm in the middle of reconstructing my website, and I'm going to be launching a blog uh, about this topic just to share the information. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. cool. What would you share with the world, Margaret?
0: Well, that everything is possible, that you can do whatever you want with social media, that you can put ideas out there and um, support out there for all things. Uh, I mean there that there's somebody other than you that believes in what you're doing. You can find them. And um, that's really encouraging. So people should take advantage and enjoy the fact that we have this incredible space um, to find each other, to work together, to fight together. Well,
5: I
1: think that on that note, let's go ahead and take a quick little break.
3: Hailing frequencies open, Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Thursday, March 3rd, here are your space headlines. SpaceX's Falcon 9, carrying the SES-9, is still sitting on the launch pad. The first attempt, February 24th, was scrubbed due to problems loading the densified propellant. The second attempt, on the 25th, was scrubbed for a similar reason. Then the third attempt, on the 28th, was scrubbed because a boat strayed into the keep-out range, delaying launch. They tried to reset and restart, and they got all the way to ignition. There was a flash of flame as the engines lit, but the Falcon itself called for abort, reading back a low-pressure error. The boat delayed the launch so long, the liquid oxygen and the propellant warmed up too much. Remember, this is the full-thrust version of the Falcon 9, so both the liquid oxygen and propellant are chilled 50 degrees even colder than usual to fit more in and increase pressure, thus increasing thrust. The next window was scheduled for Tuesday, March 1st, but that was scrubbed on account of heavy upper-level wind shear. The next window will open Friday, March 4th. As of the time of this recording, we don't know if she'll fly, but we do know SES is showing a great deal of patience with SpaceX. Here's hoping they can pull it off. Astronaut Scott Kelly returned safely to Earth after spending almost a full year in space. NASA has never before sent an American into space for as long as Kelly has flown. On top of that, he has a twin brother, also an astronaut, who remained on the ground so NASA could get baseline data on his physical and mental health to compare with long-duration spaceflight. This was an experiment, and a stepping stone, helping drive space exploration further out, eventually to Mars. The data NASA gathered from the twins will prove invaluable in planning for long-duration flights in the future. On behalf of all of us who watched you fly, welcome home, Scott Kelly. NASA is contracting Lockheed Martin to investigate designs for a new supersonic airliner, one that will be quieter, more efficient, and more affordable. They're looking to develop a low boom plane that produces a soft thump rather than the loud bang associated with normal supersonic aircraft. The design is said to fly roughly 1100 miles per hour, 200 miles per hour slower than the Concorde, but 500 miles per hour faster than commercial jets. The current timetable shows a more complete design to be ready by 2017 and take off as early as 2019. Will we get to see a successor of one of the single most iconic aircraft ever built? I certainly hope so. Made in Space, a California-based tech company, has been contracted by NASA to expand upon existing 3D printing technology for the purposes of building in space. Already they've sent one to the ISS, and they're getting ready to send a second, but now NASA has tapped them for a two-year-long project to build a large, multi-armed 3D printer that would work in hard vacuum. It would be too large to fit inside the station, so it would be mounted on the side and construct large pieces of equipment on orbit. If this works, we could see a revolution in space travel, construction yards in orbit rather than on the ground, capturing and reusing decommissioned satellites, and vehicles and probes much larger than can be feasibly launched from the ground. Keep an eye out for more news on the Arconaut. That's all we've got for you this time. For more on space and space-related matters, follow NASA, SpaceX, SES, Scott Kelly, Lockheed Martin, and Made in Space on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying, keep looking up, space fans.
2: We want you to do our ident. Click Do Our Ident on the For What It's Worth website.
6: 50 Sheds of Grey, Part 3. Dear God, why are we still doing these? What? No! 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 My breathing is as ragged as the pages of this novel after being passed around by 40 housewives. Why are you stopping? I gasp. Because I have other plans for you, Anastasia. What? Oh, my. But. I was. That's not fair. Seriously, this is how this thing's written. Turn around, I need washing too, he murmurs. Oh, my. Turning to face him, I'm shocked to find that he has his knot firmly in his grasp. My mouth drops open. I want you to become well acquainted, on first name terms if you will, with my favorite and most cherished part of my body. That's right, my belly button. I just added that part. Did you notice? (laughs) I'm very attached to this. It's so big and growing. His knot is above the water line. The water lapping at his hips. Really? (sighs) Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by the Grey Goose Corporation, because it's the only thing that's getting me through this I glance at him and come face to face with his wicked grin. He's enjoying my astounded expression. I realize that I'm staring. I swallow. That was inside me. It doesn't seem possible, said Foxfire. He wants me to touch him. Okay, maybe Varka, whatever. Okay, bring it on good boy. I smile at him and reach for the body wash, squirting some soap onto my hand. I do as he's done, lathering the soap in my hands until they're foamy. Lavo las manos before going back to work. I do not take my eyes off of his. My lips are parted to accommodate my breathing. Very deliberately, I gently bite my bottom lip. I, I- Yeah, just like I want to, reading this book. And then run my tongue across it, tracing where my teeth have been. Do that right now, ladies and gentlemen, alright? I want you to bite your bottom lip, and then, then your tongue along the bottom. Doesn't that look erotic to you? Yeah, I think. His eyes are serious and dark, and they widen as my tongue skims my lower lip. I reach forward and place one of my hands around him, mirroring how he's holding himself. His eyes close briefly. Wow, feels much firmer than I expected. I squeeze, and he places his hand over mine. Like this, he whispers, and he moves his hand up and down with a firm grip around my fingers, and my fingers tighten around his honker.
1: trying to pretend to be me again is that what this no
4: no i'm just <laughs> overcome by the, by the beauty of our guests It's they, actually are, true.
1: they are pretty beautiful mm-hmm. they're they're amazing
4: and they haven't left we haven't chased them away yet
1: so the next question that we have is a pretty big doozy one so we'll, we talked a little bit about it but what experience do both of you have with the furry fandom
0: um i have very little i went to uh your convention here um, at the time yeah the um that was here and then uh the um other one I went to was a really big one in january in san jose um which uh was overwhelming it was like so many so many people and um so i i just i think it's a tremendous it it's a tremendous um fandom, I have no real understanding of it or awareness. Um, all, I, all I know is that everybody was so cute and <laughs> all the suits were so adorable and um, everybody had really like elaborate, elaborate costumes and, and um, you know, I just love, I appreciate that people spent a lot of time on their personas, and they didn't have to actually be an animal that you would find in the wild. Some of them, you know had mystical elements, or or um, you know all sorts of different things. And people are in a, into it for different reasons. So I I appreciate it. I think it's really really adorable, and I think it's a really beautiful movement.
4: Do you, did you buy cat ears when you went to for the confusion?
0: I probably got cat ears. Yeah, I, yeah,
4: because I think I sold you those cat ears.
0: Yeah, I think I got cat ears and. Um, <laughs> Some kind of a uh, tail. You always have to get a tail, too. Of course. Yeah.
4: And your experience?
5: Well, uh, my only experience is the one I shared <laughs> with you guys at the top of the show about the litter boxes. But, um, but with that said, though, you know, I've been exposed to the furry scene. And uh, I, think, I, I think it's cute. I think it's adorable. And it seems really just like gentle, good time to me.
4: What facet were you exposed to besides litter boxes online? <laughs> See, so here's the thing is online is completely different, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. total fantasy world. Mm-hmm. So what parts of the online fandom have you been exposed to?
5: Well, I mean, I've seen various documentaries. Mm. Uh, but n- beyond that, I mean, I, I really don't have, you know, too much exposure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about it. I just know people have, they uh, they create their characters and... Um, You know they uh they they can kind of pull them from all parts of anything from mythology and from um the animal kingdom and from you know all different places and they develop characters and they use them as like online personas or avatars and um then uh you have your art work done you have somebody that will draw you and and kind of like bring you into being and in a way, it's it is a kind of drag too. I, I know a lot of people who are drag performers, and it reminds me of the the way that they develop their personas. It's the same process.
5: Yeah, to me, I'm under the impression that it's really just a. Uh, it seems like a harmless escapist uh, experience. You know, I think we all need it on some level. You know, there's like civil war reenactors, uh, there's drag queens. Like everybody has an element of themselves where they can escape the harshness of life. And just kind of get wrapped up in this sweet world and enjoy it.
1: It's like, it's almost like a Clark Kent Superman, except you have a mask and (laughs) instead of like just throwing off your glasses in there, you're Superman.
5: But yeah, it just seems like an opportunity to escape.
4: It is. It's a, it's a lot of idealism. You have your ideal mm-hmm. self encapsulated that way and it will evolve typically with you over time. It depends on if you lifestyle it or if it's just a hobby kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of it is you create the more or less ideal version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then typically, you know, when you interact with people, it's preferred that you be seen through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, you know, if you're just a hobbyist, you go to the con, look at the art, buy some porn, you know, whatever. and And that's what it is.
5: I have a question for you guys. What go before? ahead. One thing I don't understand is what is the difference between furries and plushies?
4: That's a very common question. Do you know?
5: So furries and plushies? Plush so, oh, plushophiles. Oh, files. Yeah. Well,
1: one is... Rude! I know. I know this. Okay. I know this. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you this. So <laughs> plushophiles are people that... Are you talking about the people that have sex with... With stuffed animals? Is that what you're uh, talking no, about?
5: Well, I just assume everyone has sex on some level with their costumes. But I just mean... That's a good
1: assumption, by the way.
5: Yeah, I figured. Uh, but I just mean, like, uh, lifestyle-wise, like, I don't know the difference between furries and plushies. Like, from, the, from somebody standing from the outside... Uh-huh. I just see somebody wearing synthetic fur and that's all I, I don't know the difference.
4: So there are, there are plush suits of furry characters now, which is a new thing. Mm-hmm. And you really, you see them and you just want to go hug them because mm-hmm. they're just so soft looking. They
1: even have like mm-hmm. a gigantic tag. Yeah. well oh, that's cute. That's on them. That's cute. Yeah.
4: it's And a little bit, sometimes for some people, it's, that's an encasement fetish type thing too. Uh, but plushies, at least in the classic sense of how I understand it, Mm -hmm. they are more into having like a plush animal. They enjoy that soft, cuddly feeling. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about having like an alter ego or something like that.
5: Okay. It's more of a kind of teddy bear fetish. Kind of, yeah. It's not necessarily
4: sexual. For a lot of people it is, though. For a lot of people it is. Um, Like I've got one of my good friends is totally into that. Okay. Uh, And there's overlap between the two, which is then it gets even more confusing. Okay. Uh, But it's... They they are distinctly separate in the end. Though I mean, ultimately, one is just you know more fetish oriented and stuff like that. Than one, then furry is more lifestyle for a lot okay. of people.
5: Okay, all right, that that makes sense to me. Well, thank you for answering my question. No, no worries.
4: Have you worn a tail before? No, never.
5: never. <laughs> not you? not outside of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I wouldn't, because the last thing I need to do is draw attention to myself.
1: Well. Do you guys have any other questions about the furry fandom before we continue? Mm-hmm.
4: Do you miss being Hello Kitty?
0: I don't miss being Hello Kitty. That was like the worst <laughs> job. It's really hard to be Hello Kitty because you can't see and you can't hear and you have to be uh, kind of walked. So your limbs are really heavy and they kind of walked out. It's, it's really jarring. And it's more like being inside of um, like a little spaceship. That's what it feels like. It's not like being in a costume because it's all motorized and it's really, um, it, 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 the sound is very strange. It's very hot inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all very jarring. It's
4: kind of like sensory deprivation on a level.
0: Mm-hmm. It's sensory deprivation, but also um, you just don't want to hit anybody because all of the limbs are very heavy and so when you're around a lot of kids. I think it's just too much. How did you wind up doing Hello Kitty? Because I was Raggedy Ann. And then I worked at FAO Schwartz, so I was uh, um being cycled between um the characters, and then Hello Kitty um was uh, one of the higher like you you had to be a special like in a special union to be one of the the like the furry creatures or whatever, but I think that they didn't come that day, so I just had to fill in, and I really didn't like it
4: it is it is tiring
1: yeah <laughs> it yeah is tiring yeah. It, no it it gets really, really hot.
4: Well, we had uh, a lot of our listeners send in general Q&A questions for you. A lot of them are related to the fandom, mm-hmm. um, so we put them here. And we actually have a couple of voice clips people sent in, too. Okay. So I have one of them right here.
6: Hey, Miss Cho, This is RK, creator of the YouTube channel Culturally f Thanks for being awesome enough to hang out with some furries, and here's hoping that you are the first among many public figures to engage with our tight-knit community. My question for you is this. My YouTube channel, and the fandom as a whole, has an overwhelming male majority at about 85%. Some have speculated that it's because men engage in fantasy roleplay more often, or that the sexual side of the fandom drives away many women, either squicking them out, feeling the furry label is socially unacceptable, or there are even reports of women feeling unsafe at conventions. What is your take on this gender gap for our nerdy hobby, and how can we make it a better place for women?
0: I don't know. You know, I actually met quite a few female furries. Also, I met people whose uh, avatars or whose uh, furry characters, um, their furry identities were of a different gender than they were. Is that common? Where you have... Um, gender fluidity is far more common in the fandom. Yeah, that that, or that they were identifying um, as, uh, you know, their their character was a different gender than they were or that their character was more fluid than they were or that they were fluid and they didn't identify that part. I feel like in general, in when you see animals in the can- animal kingdom, you can't really pick a gender for them. And that's the same to a lot of furries that that, that maybe their gender traits are, are things that are less emphasized. So I kind of felt like, there was so many more women, maybe at the con that I went to here, at the one in San Jose was a lot of men. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
4: So statistically, I think it's a two to one ratio, mm-hmm. um, men to women. Most of the porn is created for men and most of the art is for uh, this, this porn is created by women. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've they've done some studies um, and kind of talked to them about it and see how they feel about it. Um, and a lot of the women who are producing content or, or involved aren't as emotionally into the fandom as guys are because it's a predominantly male space just by virtue of the population. Mm-hmm. And so how can men, and I think this probably just a in general, how can men kind of adjust their behaviors or sculpt themselves to kind of be more accommodating? Mm,
0: I don't know. I mean, I think um, in in – uh, big things like Comic-Con or even with gamers, you're seeing a lot more gender equality, you know, in those movements, um, especially with gamers. And, you know, there was this sort of idea or, or stereotype of gamers as being mostly male. And now we're seeing that there's a lot of women in the industry. Maybe it's because... Um, the, 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 there was the presumption that it was a very sexist world for women and a hostile world for women. So maybe there was a thought or a shift in consciousness around it that made it more welcoming towards women. Maybe that's really what um, is all that it takes, you know, just a shift in consciousness. Now I see a lot of uh, women in cosplay, a lot more than ever. A lot of women of color in cosplay, a lot more than ever. Um, and, and certainly the, the biggest of them all, Comic-Con, there's uh, plenty, of, plenty of women there, um, whereas that was not the same, say, 20 years ago.
4: This is You're probably going to slap me for this, but my, my my opinion of when I go to other conventions, um, especially when there's more men there, it tends to smell more, like this is more body odor and stuff.
0: Yeah.
5: That's natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like being in a locker room. Yeah. Right?
4: But I've noticed that when there are more women there, my nose tends to be far happier.
5: Yeah, that's Uh We wouldn't slap you for that. That's a compliment. <laughs> yeah.
4: It is a little sexist at its heart, though. It's
5: not sexist at all. It's just biochemistry. That's all. It's just nature.
1: You know, I, I personally feel that, that our fandom is very welcoming. I mean, I'm not a woman. By no means. I I wonder some days. No, thank you. Thank you, Tugs. But, um, I mean, people have asked me if I'm transitioning, but (laughs) (laughs) at conventions, it's... Okay, anywho, but um, I I feel like that we're very welcome um, to to anybody that wants to be part of the community. I don't feel like that just because... I mean, I, I know a lot of friends of mine that are transgender and, you know... It's, it's not a big deal in the community. So I, I think that, I honestly think it's kind of a little bit of a fallacy that there's there's this like divide or something in our community.
4: It's there, but it's probably not as strong as, as uh, the general population.
1: Again, I'm yeah. not a... You you did, did you not go
4: listen to Nuka's video we put on YouTube? You should.
1: I haven't yet. He
4: actually talks about the gender differences a little bit.
1: All right. Should we go on to our next email? Yes.
4: The next email is from Drone. On do either of you want I to have. take a crack at that, or do you want to? I'll, I'll take it. You'll take it. Okay.
1: Yeah. In the fandom, um, in the fandom that values openness and personal expression of sometimes mature topics and media, um, to what degree does the fandom's external repu- reputation matter? And since it's impossible to please everyone's comfort levels or control when and where people might encounter something they find distasteful, should furries moderate themselves depending on the circumstances?
0: I don't know. I think you should just do whatever you want. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that the world is very confused about furries and has no idea what's going on. So doesn't really, I mean, you know, it doesn't, it's like you have to explain yourself to them, but you don't have to change anything about yourself, you know?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to chime in. As long as it's uh, safe and consensual, who cares what anyone thinks?
0: Well,
4: because you know there's a lot of people who are obsessed with other people's business.
5: Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, and we can't care about them. You know what? Uh, In in the In the words of RuPaul, uh, what you think about me is not my business. And I think those are words to live by. I have a friend who's
4: going to be delighted you just quoted RuPaul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just
1: delighted. I think that those are great words to live by.
4: How easy was it for you to stop giving a shit, though? Like, really?
5: Um, Well, it's kind of strange because I did did have an I-don't-give-a-shit attitude from as early as I was five years old, you know, on the outside, although I was hurting inside and riddled with a lot of uh, shame and anger. But as far as my feisty attitude goes... I always had that, and I think that was more of a survival thing. But as an adult, I was able to transition that into a more healthy, positive thing.
1: Well, now you're doing something about it. Yes. You have the ability to do something about those things. Yeah. And that's what people need to do a little bit more often is if you don't like something, maybe you need to do something about it.
5: Yeah, yeah. Everybody has the freedom to change what they don't like within their own personal life. You know, I mean, unless you're literally being held against your will in someone's salary, <laughs> you know, but uh, we, we really have a lot more power in our own lives than we realize.
4: So, it, you know, this this brings up just this whole discussion, something interesting, which is I, I'm pretty sure that the, the conversation about furry comes up in your in your work, probably point zero 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 one percent of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Probably because Twitter <laughs> did something or Tony the Tiger scandal or whatever. So that point zero zero one percent of the time. That it does come up. What is the general perception of, you know, the outside world?
0: Um, I think they just don't understand. Like, if they think it's like a se- sexual fetish thing, that it's like um, part of um, whatever the world of like BDSM is. It's like part of like that, like sexual fetishes around like fabrics or like latex or leather or fur is like just kind of along there. It gets grouped into that. But I think it's a lot bigger than that. And it, it's sort of closer to, um, Something like, uh, you know, the the, um, people that are really into um, Game of Thrones or people that are into Star Trek or Star Wars or people that, you know, kind of uh, are even or like going to the Renaissance Fair that people um, are reenactors. I think it's closer to that world than it is to um, the uh, BDSM world. Mm hmm.
1: So the question that comes to my mind, do you guys know what the Tony the Tiger scandal was even about? No.
5: No, I've never heard of it. Why this. are we telling them uh, this? <laughs> you
1: brought it up.
4: Go for Explain it. Explain it. No, you. You're the one who's good at this one.
1: Uh, anywho. So Tony the, Ti- um, Tony the Tiger on his Twitter ended up starting blocking as many furries as he possibly could.
0: Oh. Uh-huh. So
1: he just started doing that and it became like this great big thing to where it, was even on the news (laughs) it's really stupid that it was on the news but you know there's there's other things that people could be reporting but
5: by tony the tiger do you mean the the uh cereal animation yeah oh okay well that makes sense i mean it's just uh they're appealing to a certain market you know there's movie they're trying to sell cereal to moms you know and kids yeah so i think I, that makes sense to me, you know. A yeah.
4: lot of us were just going. Ugh.
0: That's so weird. I didn't know about that. <laughs> but it's
5: just weird that furries were trying to follow him. <laughs> like, well, yeah. no, like
4: th- they follow him. But the thing is there's you know, there's that subgroup of the you know the, the, the one idiot basically. He's like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna be a little. Well, too
5: you much. guys, you guys should switch over to dig em smacks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> actually well, chester the cheetah got was like yeah baby come yeah me.
5: chester the cheetah got
1: in
4: on it and was oh, like that's
5: hilarious <laughs> and he's like yeah i'll accept you guys Yeah, that's your guy that's cute <laughs> yeah that's funny
4: our next email is from sin now you happen to run into sin in chicago if i recall correctly mm-hmm. Um, and he was excited that he was able to send this email in. So he sends a hug. Hi. (laughs) And he also says, the main thing I want to know is how much of your stories that you tell on stage, Margaret are embellished from what actually happened. If that makes any sense.
0: Oh, they're not really embellished. I mean, it's just about like storytelling. Everything that happened really happened, but it, you know, it's about just telling the story. Um, in a way that it, it makes sense to tell it, but I, I rarely embellish anything. If I do, you know, it's, I, I tell if I if I do embellish, it, I say, "Oh, this is embellished"? <laughs> you know, it's not my nature to do that. But
5: there's uh, there's no re- there's no need to embellish. No, the, no, yes. Yeah, so much craziness happens in real life; yeah. like you can't make it up.
0: Yeah, and then you just remember the right details, and and then it it's it's kind of uh, you know it, then then you can tell the story and make it. Um, more of a palatable experience for yourself
4: have you seen the animated alice in wonderland that disney did i'm sure you probably have the original yeah oh yeah many times yeah, yeah. you know that scene the ma- the the tea party mm-hmm. and they're fixing the watch and they're putting all this ridiculous stuff on the watch like mm-hmm. butter jam you know two or sugar and he goes Yes, two spoons and he puts two spoons on the watch and then and then the marcher hands him mustard and he goes mustard mustard and he, like, freaks out, like, that's the one thing.
5: Uh-huh.
4: I sometimes feel like the universe serves me a jar of mustard mm-hmm. a lot of the time, just to remind me that, no, no, this this stuff happens all the time. It's, mm-hmm. it's, is that kind of like that for you? Yeah,
0: yeah, it just happens. And you just remember it, and you, the details um, make the story have color. But that that's just uh, about being a storyteller.
5: Yeah, I mean, people need to remember that we're on stage trying to entertain a crowd so you can't tell a story the way you would you know your mom over the phone you know you gotta you're not making things up but you're choosing your words so that it's entertaining and engaging and you want to keep the audience with you and tell a good story yeah
4: cool next email
5: um yes all we right have snares email
4: do you want to read it do we you, do you want let's let's to let's have one of our guests read it which one of you two want to read?
5: Not but, me, any oh. glasses. <laughs> do you
4: not Do you not have glasses?
5: No, I, I actually just went and got uh, my eyes checked, and I haven't had time, because we've been traveling, I haven't had time to actually fill the prescription and go through
0: the process.
4: It'll be Snare's email.
0: <laughs> oh, so, so Snare is from Singapore, and um, it's uh, he's talking a lot about um, me coming there and uh, the public demonstrations in Singapore have been illegal for the most part. It wasn't until fairly recently, in September 2008, where controls limiting protesters to hold peaceful rallies at a government-designed, designated site, Uh, so they have, now they have little ones, and a local movement, an LGBT movement called Pink Dot, started at this park, and it's grown in size over seven events, but um, I think it is, what it is, is that in Singapore, it's still illegal. It's still illegal for uh, people to be gay. I mean, it, in this day and age, and it, it's got to be really hard. And so this uh, person, Snare, is a uh, suitor and uh, asking what they can do for his gay brothers and sisters. Um, I think you've got to just get involved in Pink, no- Pink Dot. You know, he's a volunteer at Pink Dot. And, and um You know, being there and showing your support, that's all you can do right now is just be happy. And I'm I'm worried myself when I go, um, I don't want to get caned in Singapore. Um, I'm concerned about that. Uh, I think that um, it's got to be very rigid. You know, they were trying to make sure that Adam Lambert couldn't get in the country to do his show. uh, But fortunately, it all kind of worked out. Um, I know that it's a beautiful place and I'm eager to learn more about it, but I think it's very, I don't know, all the censorship there is very scary to me, but Um, the best thing you can do is hang with Pink Dot and and, and be there for uh, all of the people that need to see you. (laughs)
5: <laughs> I, I don't have a better answer. I don't, I don't I know, have a I know. better answer to either.
4: I know. I wish I wish you... I, sometimes when I get those kinds of emails, like I read this one and I actually wrote him back and was like, oh, you know, because I, I recognized his work because he's an artist in the fandom. that's pretty mm-hmm. well known. And I was like, you know, I had no idea you lived there and it's frustrating for me to read that and not be able to do more than just... Yeah, it
0: sucks. You
4: know, it's like, hard. like what are you going to do? Go beat up the parliament?
0: Or I don't even know who's in charge. Is there a king of Singapore? Or? Um, it's just a very religious country and... Uh, it's very conservative, and, um, you know, I, I think uh, it's just, it is what it is. I just
1: can't wait till the day to tell we're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Like, something, something. It just, I don't know. It's horrific to to hear in other countries that, you know, discrimination, these, these different things are happening. You know, people are being beheaded because of what they believe in, and it's mm-hmm. just, it's dumb. It's...
0: It's very sad.
1: It is really, really sad. And I hope that we can get our act together before it's too late.
0: Yeah.
4: (coughs) All right. Next email is from Kane. He says, hello again for what it's worth and a special hello to Margaret Cho. This is Kane McKeon, your resident Fennec, sending a last minute email once again because of procrastination. I've always loved and appreciated your work, Ms. Cho. And let's face it, as Asians Americans are some of the most least represented demographics in pop culture right now. I'm a Japanese-American myself, and although growing up in Hawaii, I didn't get the same minority experience, I've always found the odd dichotomy of America's both love and dismissal of all things Asian interesting, as it's ever been. Uh, Sorry, that's later on. Asian foods are all the rage right now, marketed as something exotic and interesting. Anime culture is as strong as it's ever been. Yet, when it comes to Asian people themselves, it's like America doesn't know what to make of us. We're just sort of there to fill up space so they can check off a a box box of ethnic groups, to include so no one gets mad. But it's been getting better thanks to folks like you who are showing that we can be more than second bananas, stereotypes with funny accents, and that kid you asked for help with your math homework. Anyway, glad to be able to write in again. All of you stay awesome as always. Much love, Kane.
0: That's nice. Well, yeah, it's about changing um, perception and hopefully getting more Asian actors out there. Um, Unfortunately, we've had a lot of uh, whitewashing of our culture, um, of anime. You know, uh, Scarlett Johansson's going to play the lead character in Ghost in a Shell, which is ridiculous. Like, if you're looking at all of the anime, um, you know, these iconic characters are all Japanese, and you're going to see them being portrayed by white actors. And so it's depressing, but I think that there's more constant communication around it because of social media. And even with the Oscar boycott, it's getting better, but uh, it's still rough.
1: That reminds me of like when... (laughs) So, never mind, never mind. It's another story for another time. Let's just say that I try it out for annie and they were wanting to cast never mind they wanted to cast me as a part of annie so you would do so well so well (laughs) well i could sing all the parts so i know that that
5: never mind that was random
4: miss luna would you mind reading lynn's email it's one sentence so i will spare your eyes
5: i could (laughs) thank you (laughs) and i'm happy to read this one because it's about a mutual friend of margaret's and mine um this is lynn's email How did you meet Kelly, and what was the inspiration for Text Message Breakup?
0: Well, we met Kelly. uh, Kelly uh, had a video um, called Shoes, Mm -hmm. which I fell in love with. And um, my ex-husband worked on the robot in that video, so I I got to see the video right when it was finished, and I I really went crazy for it and loved it. And um, so I asked... Liam to come along and do a live show. We were doing a charity show called The Sensuous Woman in L.A. And it's a variety show with Selene was in. And so we uh, took it all over. um, But so through that, I ended up participating in um, a couple of his videos and songs. And I I love Liam. Liam is just a genius.
5: Yeah, he's great. Yeah.
0: Brilliant.
4: I I thought he lived out here in Utah. Is that not true? Mm -mm. Okay. No, no uh, he lives in L.A. He lives in L.A. now. Mormons have this thing where they're like, if there's a remote connection, they claim them.
0: <laughs> like,
4: I was just talking about this with Corey yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was saying that Chelsea Handler grew up Mormon. And I was like, she did not grow up Mormon. Bullshit. Yeah. And I went and looked it up, you know, and it was like, her mom was Mormon. Mm-hmm. But then Mormons were like, no, they're Mormon. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. But I but I noticed um, Liam's videos have a very distinct um, art piece in them every time and it's a very famous Mormon art piece so oh. I've always been curious about oh poetry. I don't know I don't yeah. know
0: I think they probably got that at Goodwill or something uh. yeah I don't think
5: there's really a I think it's really just a, an appreciation for Kitsch but yeah. Uh, but yeah he's from Boston and uh, pretty uh. uh I mean, right? Isn't yeah, he's a Boston? Connecticut, like he's like yeah. Connecticut,
0: Boston. He's, he's New England. He's a New England guy. Like and
5: yeah. family roots in New England. It's like no yeah. one
4: famous comes from Utah. Get serious. We're the weird ones.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so, you know, going back to our main topic, our main topic once again is laughing and giving back. Is there anything as far as like a final, final say that you want to say about laughing and giving back?
0: You just got to do it. Just give back and laugh and enjoy the process.
5: Yeah. I mean, it feels really good. Uh, just if you're able to, for whatever reason, whatever the cause, just give for the sake of giving with no expectation and just the gift alone, you know, should be fulfilling. Awesome. Awesome.
4: Well, thank you to everyone who sent in your emails. We really appreciate it.
5: Thank
1: you so much for your out- overwhelming support. Now, Tugs. Yes. You have a burning question you've
4: been. I do. And I th- I, I, I was going to save it till after the last break, but I think I'm going to just ask it now, which is I've been waiting to ask you this till I've seen you in person. Mm-hmm. So with Robin Williams passing, I have, I've really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I really have had a hard time with that to the point where like, I won't go watch any movie with him in it. Like, I'm like, I'm not ready. No. I'm not ready yet. No. And I posted about this on Twitter and I was like, I'm not ready yet because for me, if, like Robin was always the uncle that i liked like to have come over mm-hmm. and he'd make me laugh, you know, and I'm not over it yet. And mm-hmm. someone was like, well, that sounds like Stockholm Syndrome, which I was not very happy about as, as a tweet. I was like, really? But then a lot of other people were like, no, I feel the same way, too. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is, I guess I'm asking you, is it okay that I'm not quite over it yet? Like, I won't even watch yeah. Aladdin and I just bought that.
0: Yeah, it's okay to not be over it. I mean, I think that none of us are over it. I think it was a great shock. I think that we looked to him as a, a, a kind of a father figure for a long time and um, and also uh, like a childlike person. You know, there were so many things that you miss about him. I, I, I'm I not over it, I don't, I don't think I, I will get over it.
5: Me too, I'm not over it at all. I, uh, I didn't know him, I met him once, I got to perform with him once and that was, an Incredible impact on me, just spending that time with him. But I certainly didn't know him uh, personally, and I'm still not over it. It's just it's a hard one. Do you, you still watch his work? Still? N- no, I skip it. I I, I can't. I I, I I relate to you.
4: Okay. Good. Yeah.
5: No, it's bizarre. And I and I'm like, wait, I didn't even know him. What what's what? This is weird. Is this am I unhealthy? I don't. But it. But he really. He's. He was a staple in all our lives, and especially our generation. You know, it's uh, it just seems really surreal that he's not here anymore. It doesn't yeah. seem right. It's not right.
4: Right. And I, I don't know. I feel like the public never, the people who really, I don't know if the public's the right word, but you know, the people who really appreciated his work, we never had a good place to go and like commiserate like we I never felt like I got the closure like because I've had I've had people pass and I go to the funeral and you know you, you talk to people and and you kind of get that okay we all remember together and you can kind of move forward and I feel like I never caught that no.
5: I, I think um with certain losses uh you may never have closure you know I don't I, I don't think uh everything it's possible to have closure on everything it's just not some some wounds they don't heal, but you just cope better and better with time. Mm -hmm.
4: Well, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who is still mourning. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's hard.
5: There's a lot of people. You know,
1: with, with Robin Williams, I, I love, I think I've taken the opposite approach as you is that I just, I love, I love his work. I've always loved his work. And so I've just, I've just sat and I've watched it and, there's a lot of things that are said that just have even deeper meaning now. Hmm. And I I feel like that it's almost like it's a message to, to the world or, or to me. So maybe, you know, as a recommendation to help you, you know, when you're ready, when you're ready that, that you should, you know, look at some of this stuff and, uh-huh. I
4: was watching YouTube and they had a top ten list of something and there was a clip of him in there and I was like, No mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't. I just yeah. can't yet. I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay, well that's uh let, let's go to break and come back and torture them and have a laugh and then kick this thing off. Okay. All right. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Today's episode, social identity. Who am I? It's one of the most important questions we ask ourselves. And it's a question that many of us spend our entire lives searching for an answer to. And while I can't answer that question for you, I do wanna talk a little bit about how psychologists have thought about this question. Generally speaking, your identity has two parts, who you are as an individual and who you are in relation to other people. We'll talk about that first kind of identity, who you are as an individual, another time. For now, I really want to focus on that second question, who are you in relation to other people? Now, psychologists call this your social identity, and your social identity is made up of all the groups that you do and do not belong to, and I mean group in the broadest sense possible. Your friends are a group, the people that you work with are a group, the country you're a citizen of is a group. These are some of the groups that you choose to be a part of, like the school you go to or the team you cheer for. And there's other groups that you have little to no control over, like your ethnicity, who your family is, and whether you're one of the millions of people worldwide who have asthma. Many of these groups that we belong to are pretty inconsequential when it comes to who we are. For instance, being a member of a group like 7-Eleven customers or people who drive red cars really isn't very central to our identity, to our sense of who we are. But on the other hand, there are groups that are a core part of who we are. Being Irish might be fundamental to your identity. Or maybe it's being a single mom. Maybe it's being a member of a band or belonging to a group of Harvard alumni. The point is, regardless of what the content of your social identity is, if it's important to who you are, We're biased to see it in a positive light. And it's because people in general are motivated to see ourselves positively. Deep down in the programming of our minds is a drive to be seen as a good, positive, likeable person. So we're biased to see our groups as really, really good and by association to see ourselves as really good. How do we do this? Well, one way is to be biased in favor of our groups. We glamorize prestigious members of our group and we identify with those members of our group. Being Canadian, I know a lot of famous Canadian comedians, actors, and scientists, and I get a sense of pride when I think that I share this group identity with them. As furries, we do something similar. If we hear about a furry doing something for charity or furries winning awards or doing something heroic, we as furries bask in that reflected glory. Think about the movie's utopia. It's looking like it'll be very popular and very positive in the mainstream, and furries are totally riding that sense of pride. Yeah, Zootopia is pretty awesome, just like all things furry. did I mention that I'm a furry? We feel good about ourselves when we belong to a good, likable group. Another trick we use to preserve our positive group identities is to alienate members of our group that make the group look bad. If a furry does something embarrassing or illegal, We protect our own positive identity by distancing ourselves and the fandom from that person. We say, they're not a real furry, or that person doesn't represent the fandom. And if it turns out to be impossible to deny that that person is a furry, maybe we distance ourselves from the group altogether. Maybe we deny or pretend that we're furries ourselves, at least when other people are around. We see this a lot happening right now with America during the election, with people threatening to jump ship or abandon their American identity if Donald Trump is elected. We do something very similar in all the groups that we belong to. So these are ways that we protect the positivity of our group identity that have to do with how we see our own group. But we can also make our group look good by strategically comparing it to other groups that look worse by comparison. Have you ever gotten a bad mark on an exam but somehow felt a little bit better about it when your friend did worse than you? It's kind of like that. To make furries look better, furries may resort to comparing the fandom to other groups in ways that are unflattering to them and, by extension, make furries look good. And we do this with a lot of other fandoms. We say, yeah, furries are a little weird, but at least we're not obsessed with a kid's show like bronies or at least we're not perverts like anime fans. We sometimes call this throwing another group under the bus. And it's surprising that we do it when you think about it. Bronies, anime fans and furries actually have a lot in common, so you'd think that furries want to defend those groups. The research actually shows that we do just the opposite, especially if that other group is very similar to ours. We'll talk more about this in another episode. So to summarize, our groups can be a really important part of who we are. Not all furries consider the fandom to be central to who they are, but a lot of furries do. And for those furries in particular, you'll see some of these strategies at work. Pay attention next time and see if you notice the biases that I've been talking about. Furries throwing other groups under the bus to feel better about themselves, furries basking in the reflected glory of other furries' achievements, or distancing themselves when an embarrassing news story about the furry fandom happens. Maybe you're even guilty of a few of these biases yourself, especially if being a furry is important to you. You shouldn't feel bad about it or deny it if it's true. They're not inherently bad in and of themselves. They're just very human things that we all do, and it's worth at least acknowledging that most of us have these tendencies. This has been a quick look into the psychology of social identity. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched.
7: You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth Express Dry Cleaning. When you think of dirty laundry, think for what it's worth. Laundry is such a hassle, especially when you have to take it to the dry cleaners. You have to drop it off, keep your claim ticket, then pick it up when it's done. What a chore! If only there was a way to get it done all in one fell swoop. Well, now there is. For what it's worth, Express Dry Cleaning specializes in getting you in and out as quickly as possible. We guarantee your clothes will be dry, clean, and bodily fluid-free. And if it's not back to you in five minutes or less, your meal is on the house. How, you ask? Ancient ethnically vague secret. Worried that you'll be judged by everyone when you bring in your unmentionables? Worry not. Our discreet services will ensure no one has to see your filthy, lacy underwear, you naughty boy, you. Except us. We'll still see it. And we'll still judge you. That's the For What It's Worth promise. For What It's Worth Express dry cleaning. You're a dirty, dirty man. Now listen carefully. Today's code is a doozy. Twenty-five. Fifteen. Twenty-one. Twelve. Nine, eleven, five, three, one, twenty, two, fifteen, twenty, twenty, fifteen, thirteen, nineteen. Told you
1: And welcome back. So, we are now here for the game yes
4: as thank you for coming on our show and spending some time with us we've decided to punish you by subjecting you to torturous trivia questions we
1: do this to everybody yeah. okay
4: <laughs> so are you gonna read the instructions go ahead all right so this game is going to measure how innocent you are mm-hmm. meaning we're going to start off really high right right like, Uh. Um, So, as performers, and in Margaret's case, the singing voice of Soo Jin, you certainly know how to sing. So, let's see how well you know your famous Disney songs. We'll read one song's starting lyric and see if you can finish it. So, uh, Selena, you said you can't sing, right?
5: No, but I like to play. Awesome.
4: (laughs) So, do you want to, you can guess the movie instead of the lyric and make Margaret sing.
5: Okay, I'll do my best. I'll see what comes out of my mouth. We'll see what comes out.
4: Okay. All right. Lead off, Ru. You got 10 points, by the way. There's 10 questions.
1: So, you just want me to read it, right?
4: Yep. Unless you feel like singing.
1: There you see her sitting there
5: across the wave.
0: Uh, well, i it's Little Mermaid, but I, I, I have no idea how that song goes.
5: Yeah, I couldn't even. I have no idea me neither.
0: Are. Yeah.
1: I can't even help you there. You sing it.
4: They got the first part right. Well, how I'm do not going to sing. How do
1: you sing that part? I come don't.
4: On. I can't sing. I inherited my father's monotone voice. You know,
1: yeah. Um, she, she doesn't got a lot to say, but there's something about her.
4: We're going to have you do a team score rather than compete, okay. since you both guessed a little. Bit. Fair enough. All right. Question two. Someday my prince will come. Someday we'll meet again.
0: Well, it's Cinderella, but I don't know that. Someday my prince will come. And then I don't know the song, so it... Yeah,
5: I like, I don't know any of this shit. I don't, I don't know. But I, I recognized it once you sang it. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. all I know. Yeah,
5: I had the record when I was a little kid. Oh, okay.
0: But it's they got
5: the name of it right?
4: No, it's from Snow White.
5: Oh. Oh, it is from Snow White. Mm. Oh, you see, I thought it was the Cinderella.
1: I thought it was
0: Cinderella.
4: That one actually gets confused a lot. Mm-hmm. Rue? <sighs>
5: You can learn
1: a lot from the flowers. Oh, the um, of bells. it's song
0: of the South, but uh, it, I don't know the song. I don't know. Do you agree that it's song of the South?
5: I I I couldn't even I don't even know enough to agree. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna say yes. Uh,
4: but especially in the month of June.
5: What mo- I don't even know what movie this is.
4: Alice in Wonderland.
5: Oh, oh. I don't even know. Okay. You're
4: both not very
1: innocent so far.
4: No. <laughs>
5: no. You're no,
1: You're doing terrible. I love this. Okay, let's see if you can finish this one. This one's a well-known one. Poor unfortunate soul in pain,
0: in need. I don't know that one at all. I
4: don't know. <laughs> they are doing just fine. It's
0: okay.
1: Um, that... W- um, I don't know how to say that one. The rest longing
4: of... to be thinner. That one wants to get the girl. And do I help them? Yes. Yes, indeed. indeed.
1: You made this really hard.
5: <laughs> Terrible tugs.
4: It's also from the Little Mermaid. Oh, it's Ursula's oh. song. Oh yeah, got I don't me,
5: know. Got me, got me. I don't know. We might do better with like Broadway show tunes. <laughs> no, that's
4: okay because remember we're measuring your innocence. Mm-hmm.
5: Oh right, right, right. Well, I'm feeling pretty heavenly. <laughs>
4: Yeah, but the more you know, the more innocent you are. So.
5: Oh, I thought. Oh, right. Okay, then never mind. Be, I had it. I had it backwards. I had it backwards. Can you
4: feel the flames under your yes, ass?
5: Yes, I do. <laughs>
1: all right. What's the next one, Tugs?
4: Okay, this one you should get. A dream's a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep.
5: And dreams come true. and whenever you're. Hmm, 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 hmm. I don't know that one at wait, all. Wait, wait. Oh, it sounds familiar to me. Oh. Ah. Dreams your heart
1: Friday. bakes when Friday. you're fast Friday. asleep
5: that's no white
1: in no. your dreams you lose your heartaches. whenever you
5: wish sleeping beauty I'm just saying
0: anything I don't know <laughs> I don't know wow
5: I, I actually does it does ring a bell I just don't know what movie that's from
1: it's still you still made this really difficult <laughs> it's okay
5: what movie was that? Cinderella. Ah, oh, that was Cinderella.
4: That one was Cinderella. That
5: can I wonder. That did sound familiar.
4: <laughs> In dreams, you lose your heartaches. Whatever you wish for, you keep.
1: You know, we should have ha- played like part of the song, and then they could finish the lyrics. Yeah,
4: but then lawyers get involved, and uh, I, I just don't want to fight the mouse's lawyers. He's got really uh, good ones.
1: Um, do me. And let's see, do me so do. No, do me so do. (laughs) Oh my goodness, do me so do. Do so me do.
5: It's time to practice your scares and your arpeggios. Ouch! Mary Poppins?
1: It's not Mary Poppins.
5: Yes, mama. Me soda, soda, soda. I don't know. this. Never heard this jam in my life. <laughs> you ever seen Aristocats? No. Oh, Aristocats! Yeah, but when I was five, I'm 44. I <laughs> was like, I don't remember anything.
4: <laughs> you remembered how old you were?
5: I do. I remember, I saw it in the drive-in.
4: Oh, we have a drive-in.
5: Wow. Well, <sighs> okay,
1: so question number seven, Tugs.
4: Well, Alibaba has them 40 thieves
0: them 40 thieves well it's the genie it's the one with the genie it's the aladdin aladdin Hooray! Oh, yeah but i don't know the song
5: just because ge- i heard genie so i
4: know that's just- <laughs> Shahrazad had a thousand tales it is from aladdin though mm-hmm. two points awesome you are now leading uh, you're tied for the lead for the season by the way okay so you're doing great Tux you're only 20 purposely innocent.
1: makes these questions so hard um, Okay, so I don't even know where this is from. The world is a carousel of color. Mm. Can you even sing that, time? I don't know.
4: A rainbow of imagination. I don't know that It's from like World of that. Color.
0: I've never even heard of that.
4: It's old.
0: Oh. Uh. Is it Fantasia?
4: No, it's actually from a show called World of Color. Mm. Oh, I thought
0: it's not the Disney thing or something? It
4: is, it is a Disney thing. Oh. All right, next.
1: Okay. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of other things.
5: I am the Eggman cuckoo cuckoo.
0: <laughs> 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 Great I answer! I know. <laughs> Great I answer, you guys. I don't know if it's jungle. Is it Jungle Book?
1: <laughs>
0: it's from Alice in Wonderland. Oh.
4: Of ships and sails and sealing wax of cabbages yeah. and
0: kings. I don't know that song. It's the Wallace
4: and the Carpenter story that Tweedledee and Tweedledum sang. Mm.
5: Oh, God, that's obscure.
4: I really love my Alice in Wonderland. You do. All right, the last question. Yes, it is the last question. So, the last question is, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow.
0: Mm. Oh,
1: I don't know.
5: does it ring about?
1: Smiling at the end of every day. So, this happens to be a Disney ride. Is that correct? It
4: was a TV show and a ride. It
1: wasn't wasn't called that. What was
4: that? (laughs) Windows. It was called the Carousel of Progress.
5: Oh, wow. Oh, well, that was a great ride. I remember that.
4: They still have it. It's in Florida now. They moved it.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That was a fun ride. It's a great big beautiful. All right. So you are
4: 20% innocent. How do you feel about this rating? Is that accurate? That's accurate.
5: Accurate. Uh, On the nose. Yeah. Mm
4: -hmm. So you're 80% corrupt?
5: (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much.
4: Minimum 80%. Sounds good. Do you have like a label when you come into the state? Do they like it to stamp you? Margaret and Selena are 80% corrupt. Mm. It's like have you gone to the store here and seen that the alcohol says this may contain alcohol? Oh, no. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. It's beer. What do you think it's going to have? That's crazy. That's weird.
2: Housekeeping. No. Housekeeping.
1: Okay, so make sure that you comment on the site.
4: Yes, because people who go to websites that have comments go back.
1: Um, we want to thank our absolutely beautiful guests. Thank you. Thank
0: you, thank you very on. much. Thank you. Do you
4: have any more burning questions you want to throw out there before we, we go?
0: No, I'm good. You're mm-hmm. very complete. Thank you.
5: Yeah, thank you very mm-hmm. much.
4: Yes, if they want to follow your
0: work, where can they check you out? I'm at MargaretCho.com, and I'm also, you can follow me at Twitter, at MargaretCho.
5: And I'm seleneluna.com. That's S E L E N E. And I'm on Twitter, and mostly I'm on Instagram. Really? Mm-hmm. hmm
1: So our next episode is Dealing with Loss.
4: Yes. We were going to do this two episodes ago. We had to put it off, but it is back. So if you did not send an email in, please send one in and share your story with us. We've got stuff from Nuka. It'll be a really good episode. Dealing with Loss in the Fandom.
1: Uh, make sure that you comment on um, you know, Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, keep up with social media. Shows. And
4: thank you to Koru and Firebreath for supporting us. Yes. Doing announcements. and
1: thank and you and all for all of our listeners for all the emails that they sent in today.
4: Yep. All right, I think that's it. All right, well, Puts this from is, the can.
1: This has been Rue.
4: This is Tugs. You gotta say your names.
5: Selene <laughs> Luna and Margaret Chow. And
1: you've been listening to.
4: For For what what it's it's worth.
1: Oh, you still have to do it.
4: (laughs) We don't warn you that you got to say it with us.
5: Oh, wait, what? What's going on?
4: You're going to say the show name. For what it's worth.
5: Oh, uh, for what it's worth. For what it's worth.
1: (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks.